Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for checking out this podcast presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, U.S. Bank Stadium, or XL Energy Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota football, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Purple Podcast. It is Wednesday, November 9th. We are back at Winter Park as the Vikings prepare to go out to the nation's capital after what I'm sure has been a quiet week in Washington, D.C. Nothing really to uh, discuss there. We will certainly not get into that today. We are not here to talk politics. We have, we are sure you're probably politicked out. So we will stick in the relative safety and sanctity of the toy department. I am Ben Gessling from ESPN. I cover the Vikings for them. Uh, joined by Matthew Collar from 1500 ESPN. We are previewing Vikings-Redskins this weekend, but we will, of course, start with the big story this week. The Vikings sticking by Blair Walsh after trying out six kickers on Tuesday. Mike Zimmer said on Wednesday that we still believe in Blair, which you could be forgiven for thinking otherwise based on what he said on Monday. But Blair Walsh is still the kicker for now. Matthew, are we surprised by that development at all based on what Mike Zimmer said on Monday? We can get into uh, locker room politics of the kicking situation, right? I mean, there must be some going on here because the way it sounded Monday, I think all of us walked out of there going, I'm not not sure that he's going to be the kicker by the time we show back up here on Wednesday. And then they have six different kickers in. Clearly, none of them blew them away, and here Blair Walsh sits. And then all of a sudden, everybody's got confidence in him. On Monday, it was, hey, the rest of the team played great, but you saw Blair miss all the kicks. And then Wednesday, the tune has changed after they weren't impressed with any of the kickers that came in. So you have to wonder just what changed in between, whether it was, hey, none of those kickers were that good, so this is the best option, or if there was some sort of conversation that went on that he gets his last chance here. But bringing in six kickers to try out, I think clearly says 
this is it, buddy. You better yes. be pretty golden the rest of the way or uh, you're out. If you're trying to fire a shot across the bow, you may be bringing one. You don't bring in six if you're not very seriously considering making a move. So I think this is a couple of things. Either it's they wanted to get their short list ready. They want to know that, okay, if he continues to have issues, this is going to be the guy we call. It might have been that none of them oppressed them that much. I mean, the options that, that were here are unemployed for a reason. I mean, guys like Kai Forbath and Randy Bullock and you know, Zach Hocker, Travis Coons. I mean, guys that have been, you know, that, that have bounced around the NFL a little bit. Kai Forbath is probably the most accomplished of those guys, but probably guys that aren't as talented as Blair Walsh is. So maybe none of them impressed him that much. I thought it was interesting to hear Mike Zimmer say that he was actually not there for the tryouts. He had to get another procedure done on his eye yesterday. I think that's why he was gone. I think we were able to connect those dots and based on what he said. So it was probably Mike Prefer watching. Ryan Ficken, the assistant special teams coach, I'm sure was out there. I would think Rick Spielman was probably out there. And if it came down to those guys that saw it, that maybe had a little bit more say into it, I don't know that Blair Walsh is going to have bigger supporters in this organization than Rick Spielman, who drafted him, and Mike Prefer, who worked him out and vouched for him and has stuck by him all this time. So it will be very interesting tomorrow to hear what Mike Prefer has to say about this whole week and what this process has been like. But I think at the very least, you could probably say that if Blair Walsh's struggles continue, they probably now have a pretty good idea of what they would do and, and have a short list of guys that they'd go with if, in fact, the struggles don't subside this this Sunday in Washington. It's such a tricky situation for me to try and have an opinion on because I don't know how to guess whether, whether this is going to work out or not to yeah. stick with them. Yeah. I mean, because it, it's not physical. It, it's right. completely mental. And you don't really know how a guy's going to react to things, right? I just was thinking about this the other day with Blair Walsh of Alex Rodriguez for the longest time was the biggest choker. Yep. And every choke joke was, ha. Huh, at least it's not A-Rod in the playoffs. Right. Or, I mean, even if we think about Peyton Manning and how year after year the playoffs he would lose and he would get abused for that. The Manning face. And then he would, you know, he gets to the Super Bowl and wins one, and then, yep. well, okay, he's great. Who's the next guy? And we just move on to Bill whoever Nicholson. whoever the next guy is that can't win in the big games. And then that guy wins, and we move on to the next guy. And so when it comes to is the guy a choker, is he mentally weak, Maybe he is, maybe he isn't, but I think that's just super hard to predict where this is going or if he's so good physically, which we know Walsh can be, that he'll just get it together and be fine. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing there, and I think people that compare kickers to golfers, I think are on to something because on some level there is a very similar process there. I mean, obviously with a golfer you don't have somebody rushing in trying to block a kick, but with kickers you have a few less variables to consider than you do with a golfer in terms of where you're trying to put the ball but that whole idea of it's a relatively simple thing but when you're trying to make a swing connect consistently with a small object and make it fly the way you want it to the smallest variations can have pretty drastic effects on it so it does come down in a lot of ways to not overanalyzing things not getting stuck in your own head not listening to too much advice about Make sure you do this or, you know, turn your shoulder this way or, you know, make sure you, you stay tall or, you know, whatever. And that's more golf stuff. But all of those types of things that you sit there and talk about with your golf swing sometimes become paralysis by analysis. And, and that could be some of what's going on with Blair Walsh. He's a guy that, that spends a lot of time analyzing things and, 
and could be at a point where he's just overthinking some of it. But I will say, I mean, for as much as as he came off being a little bit petulant on Sunday, and I, I think he did. I mean, I, th- I think the, the way he handled that was probably not going to do him any favors. I'm sure it is not helpful if you are a guy that's already thinking about this stuff a lot to have a constant stream of questions about why didn't this work? Are you worried you can't do it? Are you worried that you're going to keep getting asked the questions? It, it all, I'm I'm sure, it tends to compound on itself, and I can see where that would be tough to deal with. That's part of the job. He gets paid very handsomely to deal with those things, but that, I'm sure, is a part of the job that's not a whole lot of fun. Yeah, I want to go back to the um, golfing analogy that you made because a lot of times with golfers, I mean, it could go one of two ways that a guy bursts on the scene and we say, he's the next Tiger. This guy's yep. really got it. And what it turns out to be was he just got hot yep. for a little bit, and then it was a small sample size. It was one or two tournaments, and he was on fire, and then he went back to being his normal self. Or it can be, well, the guy really was going through some stuff, but he worked so hard because he's a professional athlete that he got it back together. Or he just melted down and couldn't deal with the pressure and faded back to the middle of the pack because he couldn't deal with being at the top. And there's right. a lot to deal with, as Blair Walsh has found out, when you're at the top and you make a mistake and people will not forget it because it's the NFL and that's going to rest over you forever. And some people just can't handle that. Maybe there's a Gary Anderson who gets over it and is fine for the rest of his career and kicks until he's 57 years old and that's it. Or maybe there are other guys who have a key miss and then disappear. So when we're trying to project which way Blair Walsh is going to go, I mean, one of the problems that we're running into is, I mean, we're halfway through the season here. It's only X number of kicks and off of his career pace, it's one or two kicks go in. If that ball bounces instead of hitting the post and bouncing out it bounces in we never think about it and that's a matter of just a couple of inches and the ball being funny shaped and like I mean all these things start to spin around in my head and I say I, I really wonder if it's just a small sample size problem if you had a guy who uh only shot 40 free throws in a year or something there would be years where he was way up there would be years where he was down and we've seen kickers have a down year Adam Venateri yeah. gets let go on a down year and then has a great second career after that so it well, happens Mike all the today time mentions Mason Crosby Mason Crosby in 2012 missed 11 field goals and they stuck by him but I remember that year thinking when are they going to get rid of this guy he's missing kicks every week and ever since then he's been lights out mm-hmm. I mean it, the guys it's a similar kind of thing it was a guy they drafted a guy they liked he had a big leg it had been a team that had been trying to replace Ryan Longwell, which was the same thing here that the Vikings were trying to do. And they stuck it out because they knew he was talented enough to get through it, and he eventually did. But, yeah, it's it's one of those things that, you know, it they they want to play it out on some level because he's talented and they like him, and, and it's obviously financially prudent to do that given the, where the contract is. But it's also one of those things that if he's costing you games now, it becomes a lot tougher to keep him around because this is, as Mike Zimmer said, this is not going to be a team that plays a lot of games where you blow people out. You can hold people down, which obviously creates a situation where you're not going to get scores run up on you yourself, but when you can't score a ton of points, you are going to play a lot of close games, which means your margin for error is that much smaller, and if you have a guy that's missing kicks, it is going to affect you. So how that all plays out we'll see but i i do wonder too 
when Mike Zimmer is talking Monday and he gets asked about it, and then he says, you know, when he gets asked why are you bringing in kickers, he goes, you've been watching all year? I mean, Mike Zimmer is an emotional guy, and he's candid, and, and that's one of the things I think we like about him is that he says what he thinks. But in those situations, I wonder what the effect of that is on his kicker and even this process where you're kind of going through this yo-yo thing of, oh, you're out, you're back in, you're out, you're back in. If your concern is that this is a mental thing, and everybody has said it's a mental thing, nobody has said it's anything other than that, I wonder how that approach is affecting his confidence. I also wonder how it affects the locker room, too, because I think there are a lot of people who walked out of that building on Sunday and went, this should have been Pat Shermer's day. This should have been Sam Bradford's day. Sure. These guys should have been celebrated for, hey, the interim offensive coordinator brought back his West Coast offense and saved the season. And, hey, look at this game-winning drive by Sam Bradford, or however it may have played out if he makes an extra point. Sam Bradford's back, guys, look, and, and he's back to being the franchise-level quarterback. And uh, the defense slowed down this great Lions offense that had been killing it all year, that would have been the narrative if the guy doesn't miss the field goal. And I think everybody walked away thinking that. And they talk about kickers as the loneliest position because it's the only one where no one will forgive you for it. If you miss a block, well, (laughs) you know, you miss the block. I mean, stuff happens. T.J. Clemmings, again, on Sunday, played a really poor game. But, well, whatever. I mean, he's a little in over his head. But with the kicker, it's totally different in the way it's evaluated. Your job is purely to make it, so you have to make it or you're out. And if they were to cut Blair Walsh, I don't know if it would be about just the fact that they don't believe he'll ever kick well again, but more about everyone is so mad at this guy that we just can't keep him around. Well, it's an interesting point because with a kicker, obviously, everything you do, there's points on on the table, at least with field goals and extra points, and it's incredibly public. Like, everybody's watching. It essentially comes down to you. It's it's the most individual thing in football. I mean, yes, there's a snap. Yes, there's a hold. Yes, there's protection. But most of the time, those things go right, and it just comes down to did you execute your kick or not. And there's also sort of this, you know, a cast system is probably the the best way I can put it, and that's an imperfect analogy, obviously. But with kickers, there is a little bit of that where, I mean, Chris Cluey would always joke punters are people, too and not to invoke his name too much because people will get annoyed with that as well. But, there, I mean, the joke there was that people sort of say, oh, special teams guys, they're not getting hit, they're small, they're like the guy you would stuff in the locker. I mean, you know, they're short, they're, they're, they weigh 160 pounds, they're not having to get hit, they're not going through the, 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 the grunt work of an NFL season hitting blocking sleds and, and being sore and all that kind of stuff. It's not the same thing. I mean, and a lot of times – kickers get their start because they're soccer players that a high school football team says hey can you come kick for us on friday nights and i I think that's basically what blair walsh did so there is a little bit of a a sense of you are part of our team but you're not really part of our team so you better keep doing your job if you want to be seen as part of our team yeah and uh, that's a a great point just about how the pecking order exists and how they are really off on their own. Even at training camp, I assume it's the same way in Minnesota as it would be uh, anywhere else. It's just they're on another field. 
kicking and punting. Yep, and pretty doing much. Their thing. Everybody else is hitting each other and uh, putting in offenses and, yep. and whatever, which they work extremely hard at their craft. But if you are a defensive tackle or if you're a cornerback or anything else, you feel like, man, I'm sacrificing so much. Yes. And all you do is kick the ball. Whether that's fair or not, it doesn't matter because that's the mentality of it. And right now, Blair Walsh is in the crosshairs because of it. I, I, I mean, if it's just a couple of misses that were inconsequential, it probably would be one of those, hey, you know, we're just going to stick by him. We won 34 to 10 anyway. Right. And right. he missed a field goal or two, but whatever. The fact that it's now cost them a game, and this was what we had been talking about leading up to this, is when it does cost them a game, there is going to be so much rage pointed at this yes. guy. Even if he makes every other kick, if it costs him a game, then people are going to be really, really angry at him. And the thing is, for the most part, he has made the kicks, but then going back to the mental part of it, those extra points are just like inexcusable and the only thing that would point me if it was just field goals i might say well you know a 46 yarder gets blocked that happens or you miss this field goal or that field goal but missing the extra points points directly to this guy's got a problem upstairs yeah i would agree with that and i think i mean you make the point about um you know the, the sort of the kickers being off on their own in the in training camp and everything i mean we hear this when players will sort of give us a hard time about well you guys are all small and skinny, and I mean, I, not, it's not every beat core in America where they have as many skinny guys as this one does. It's usually people that are overweight and, and middle-aged and out of shape kind of thing. But the, the we hear the jokes about, oh, you guys are, I mean, there's, I think, some player, I won't name names, but when we walk onto the field, somebody yells nerd alert when we walk in every day. And there's that element of if you're not pushing yourself and going through physical pain every day, getting hit you are not one of us you're not tough um for the record minnesota vikings players i've run three marathons so i've dealt with pain athletically but not in the same way that you are just to set the record straight on that as if anyone cares but um it irked me so i'm gonna say it um but yeah there is a little bit of that thing of if you're not getting hit and getting up and showing you're tough in that regard you do not have part with us. So I think that dynamic always exists in football, and that's why you hear all the jokes about kickers and everything, and, and that's probably where a lot of this comes in. Now, you also mentioned the extra points, and I, I think with Blair Walsh, a lot of this obviously started when they went to TCF Bank Stadium, and there was a lot of talk when they moved in there about Jeff Locke and Blair Walsh had all of these charts of where the wind went and how it was going to affect it on certain days, certain times of the year. It was almost kind of like, okay, this is great. It's cute. These They're both really smart guys. But is this too much over-analysis of what's going on? And, and that's really when he started to have the struggles with extra points, certainly last year when they moved them back. And I, I think, you know, for all of the times where he said, I'm over it, I'm not thinking about the, the Seahawks miss anymore, the fact that all of these issues are sort of downstream from there kind of makes you feel like he probably still is thinking about it. And, and certainly the extra point struggles – started last season too it just seems like a lot of this stuff is at least mentally things he's holding on to from last season and if he's a guy that holds on to things that long if it continues to affect it it's hard to know when it's the day that you wake up and say all right it's over I'm flushing it it's fine I'm I'm moving on I don't know how you could get over it though I mean every time especially I thought of this with his misses against Detroit about 
being at home. Yeah. And in terms of, like, your circumstances for a kicker, it doesn't get much easier than U.S. Bank Stadium. Right. I mean, and that was what we heard is that they move back inside, he's going to be great again. Right. There's no wind. The crowd's behind you. There's no uh, – yeah, need to close those doors up. There's no, maybe that's the yeah, issue. Maybe that's it. Yeah, there could have been wind. We don't There's know. There's uh, University of Minnesota uses a squirrel to throw off the opposing yep. uh, team, but there's no squirrel looking at you. It's just you, you've got everything going your way. If he wanted to be asked about other things on Sunday, he has to be asked about something other than what we were asking. We should ask him that, I suppose. Blair, was the doors were open. to the wind <laughs> affect it? I'm, I, I don't know that that question would have gone over any better, but Probably hey, it would have been something else. Um, but now kicking at home is a different story for him than it would be any other kicker. If Kai Forbath is their kicker and not Blair Walsh, he's like, I'm at home. There's no wind. Great right. day. Everyone's behind me. I'm just going to kick it. When it's Blair Walsh, it's everyone in this stadium right now, as I walk out on the field, is thinking the same thing. They're all thinking about me shanking one left. I was there in January. I was freezing my rear end off. I, was, I thought we were going to the second round of the playoffs, and I watched him miss that kick. That's. I'm sure there are a lot of fans that are thinking that. I was thinking it. I mean, yeah. as he walks out for the extra point, I yep. was thinking in my head, I wonder if he'll miss this one because he missed that one. There is a it, collective tightening uh-huh. when he comes out there right now. Um, and I, I think, I mean, I'm sure as much as he, you know, he talks about uh, getting tired of the questions, I would venture to guess that his Twitter mentions are much oh. more savage than – Anything he has reporters asking him, and, and that's kind of the way that goes. And, you know, people want to be tough on Twitter and, and tell him where he can go and what he can do and all of that kind of stuff that I'm not going to give a lot of voice to here. But, you know, I'm sure that that stuff, I'm sure he sees that stuff too. And that's an element now of being a modern athlete that you probably didn't deal with. You probably got mail, but not as immediately and as not as vitriolic as you get now. And you've just got pressure coming from all angles yeah. when it comes to that, too. I mean, you've got them trying out kickers. You're walking into a locker room with a bunch of guys who are six foot five and 275 pounds who all think you're a little nerd, which I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm just saying that you're like you said, that's how they that's how they tend to think. The kicker is the separate guy, unless yep. it's like uh, Ryan Lindell, who was six foot four and 225 right. pounds or like Ryan Santoso, the Gophers kicker, who's like six <laughs> five. Yeah. The guy for Penn State currently, like unless yeah. you've tackled Sebastian a guy. Janikowski. But, but he's got – I'm just kidding about that, but he's got locker room pressure. He's got Zimmer making fun of him, uh, making fun of a reporter for even asking about it yeah. in the press conference. He's got – I mean, you've got agents who are wondering, uh, is he going to turn it around yeah. and get cut? Am I going to have to find him a new job? And you've just – you've got everything coming for – it's like how do you tune all that noise out? And, and maybe I think probably as media and fans, we tend to just go, make the kick, guy. Yeah. Like – and it's your job. Make the kick. You're a professional. But when you think about all the pressure in that way, I end up talking myself into feeling like, man, that is a tough gig. Yeah. This uh, is a very no, tough gig. There's no doubt it's tough. And and we all kind of say, well, you make a lot of money, so just do it. Well, yeah, you make a lot of money. And the reason you make a lot of money is because you succeed in a lot of those situations where most people wouldn't. You, you have the athletic ability to do that. I mean, it doesn't it, – it doesn't – put you in a position to say oh this is an unfair part of my job it does not also make that part of your job easier yes it's really tough yes it's part of the job yes i'm sure it's it's difficult and uh that's just kind of part of it i mean that's always going to be an element of that job and and that's why some guys have 20-year careers as kickers 
Adam Vinatieri, people like that, because you, it's a repeatable skill. It's not like your skills are going to deteriorate. You can do it until you're in your late 30s, and it can, you can make a very nice living doing that. But it also could be one of those things where if you miss a big kick, it lives in your head, and it stays there and eventually kind of is your undoing. So, I mean, you, that part of it is, is tough. And you know what's going to come up on Google every time. Um, right. How do you feel about the Washington football team in terms of their talent level are that we doing the that Vikings thing? are going up against? Yeah, I think we should. Right. Now, the kicker yeah, thing, I'll be know. honest with you, the <laughs> kicker thing fascinates me so much that yeah. I could keep talking about it all day. Because We've talked for 20 minutes about kickers, I know, but it's, it's got to be some kind of record. so intriguing to me all the things that go into a situation like that but i do think we should talk about mr kirk cousins who um i haven't decided whether i think he's a decent quarterback or on the man not so great very beatable side Hey guys, it's Phil Mackey from 1500 ESPN and one of the hosts of Sports Over Beers, the original 1500ESPN.com podcast where you find your favorite 1500 ESPN personalities drinking beer and talking sports. Pretty simple. Find it on iTunes, Podcast One, and 1500ESPN.com. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think he is sort of in that group, and I think we were talking about it with Jay Cutler, where it's like... Okay, this guy's good enough to win. Is he good enough to win, as in win really big? And the thing I think we found out is that there are only a few of those guys around that are that good, and everybody else kind of winds up with a guy in the middle and, and tries to see if they can make it work with him. So, I mean, I, the numbers are impressive. I can't say that I've watched him play a ton. I mean, other than, you know, back when he was at Michigan State. But, you know, it's it seems like he's kind of one of those guys that, he has his big days, and then there are times where he gives you chances to, to create turnovers. And I mean, offensively, what they do is is pretty similar in some ways to what I think the Vikings are going to land at with in their offense in the sense that there's no there are no two quarterbacks in the league that throw a higher percentage of their passes under 10 yards than Kirk Cousins and Sam Bradford. So you're going to see a lot of that same stuff on Sunday where they're going to be trying to get the ball out quick. I mean, he doesn't get the ball out quite as quick as Sam Bradford does, but they do like to throw short, and they're going to be probably doing a lot of that to try to beat the pass rush and dare the back seven to tackle. And I would expect we'll see a lot of what we've seen from the Lions, the Eagles, the Bears to, to be repeated in the Redskins' approach to the Vikings' defense. I think you're exactly right in that they're trying to cover up some problems with their quarterback that yeah. he has by using a lot of short passes with uh, the Vikings it's covering up the offensive line yep. not the quarterback yep. but still you're trying to paint over something by doing it but pulling up their numbers I mean they just throw to everybody yeah. I mean Crowder yeah. and Deshaun Jackson and Jordan Reed Pierre Garçon Vernon Davis they, I mean all these guys are huge targets for them and they could be a part of the deep game, too. Every single one of those guys could be a playmaker. So the thing that I'm most interested in going into this game is if Captain Munnerlyn can't play, yeah. how do you handle all of these weapons? Because it's very similar to Detroit in that way. Yeah, and by the way, it's such a Redskins thing to have, like, so many guys that, oh, this guy was really good three or four <laughs> years ago. It is. I mean, that, that, isn't that such a Dan Snyder thing? I mean, that back when he first bought the team, they had, like, Deion Sanders and Bruce Smith. Big Daddy Wilkinson. Yeah, it was like, this is the coolest team of 1996, and it was the year 2000. 
like I'm not sure this works. I mean, you know, they've they've had that at various points since then. Whether it was the ill-fated Albert Hainsworth contract, I was out there covering baseball during that whole thing when Mike Shanahan and Hainsworth had the big, basically falling out over the conditioning test and training for Donovan McNabb and, and Clinton Portis. Oh, he was actually pretty good there, but it's always kind of seems like something there where they can't ever just say we're going to tear this thing down and build it the right way. It's you have an owner that says, no, I want to win now and injects what he wants to do in a lot of those things. And you end up with, with teams that are kind of old and kind of just okay. But yeah, they do have a lot of guys that you can throw the ball around to. And, and that helps it a little bit in the sense that when you have five or six guys, you don't need any one guy to be a star and they don't have one guy that's a star, maybe other than Jordan Reed, but yeah, they do have a lot of options, and I think the fact that the Vikings could be lacking a little bit in their cornerback depth this weekend could be a, a big factor. Would you rather have Trey Wayans and Xavier Rhodes be your corners, your nickel corner, Terrence Newman, or would you rather have Terrence Newman and Xavier Rhodes and bring in the rookie Mackenzie Alexander? Alexander had a tough go yeah, he last did. week. He I did. mean, it was rough, although he's going up against – a veteran of all veterans. I mean, Anquan Bolden, who is 36 and right. still is one of the biggest, strongest targets that you're going to go against. So you've Very got good this at little, buying people up. Right, this little rookie who's just being manhandled. Do you give him another shot, or do you go right to, hey, we're going to go back to Terrence Newman at the nickel corner? I think I would go that direction um, instead of trying to have a rookie be thrown into the fire in this way, especially since how Mackenzie Alexander yeah. looked. Though I. In training camp and preseason, Alexander showed a lot of good things. But at this point, this this game, I wouldn't go press the must-win button, but yeah. it's darn close. kind of need it. I, I think I would agree with you in the sense that I would rather have Terrence Newman in the slot than put Mackenzie Alexander back out there after a tough week. I also think, I, I think this probably even stronger than what I would do. I, I bet very, very strongly, knowing how Mike Zimmer tends to operate with his corners and knowing how he feels about Terrence Newman, how much he trusts Terrence Newman, I would bet very strongly that if Captain Munderland can't go Sunday, Terrence Newman is your slot guy. Trey Waynes is playing left cornerback. Mackenzie Alexander is essentially there in a pinch if he's needed to be there because he, he's also a guy that could play outside. He would be the next man up if, either, if anything happens to either of the outside guys, especially if Marcus Sherrills isn't able to go, which, which he didn't practice today. So Mike Zimmer trusts Terrence Newman like he trusts few other guys because of all the experience they have together. Terrence Newman understands his defense better than just about anybody. And last year, when they had no safeties, what did they do? They put Terrence Newman back there and said, hey, I know you've never played this position, but you understand it. You can make it work. And he actually played pretty well. So I would expect that if Munderland can't go Sunday, knowing how much Zimmer trusts Terrence Newman and knowing how he likes to have his corners have that year to sort of sit and learn the year that Trey Waynes had and the year Mackenzie Alexander is now going through, I would think it would be Rhodes, Waynes on the outsides, Newman in the slot. Maybe in the base defense, Newman's still outside and you bring Waynes in on third down. I could see him doing something like that. They've done that before. They did that in 2014 with Josh Robinson. But uh, that would be how I would guess they'd go. Also, some big news uh, coming from practice in terms of how they'll play defense this week against Jordan Reed and, and Vernon Davis, which is Eric Kendricks yes. coming back. And uh, Chad Greenway gets an interception in the game. Turned out that they really blew it after that. Um, they've got first down at the 18-yard line. They end up punting. That was 
memorably bad. Yeah, but, let's see if we see that one again for so, a while. But he makes a play. You would much rather see Chad Greenway in for 15 plays yep. than you would for that many. Yep. If you have Wayans on the outside, who I thought had an excellent game against Detroit. I did, too. The, the only the only play that I thought, and I, I asked Mike Zimmer about it, there was a third and eight in overtime against Golden Tate where Mike Zimmer has talked in the past about how Trey Wayans needs to have better situational awareness and sometimes gives a little too much cushion. He was probably lined up eight or nine yards off of Golden Tate on that third down, and, and he backpedaled from there, making it very easy to say, okay, I'm just going to run a – I'm going to drive you deep enough to run a comeback route, easy first down, keep the sticks moving. That was one of those plays where I, when I asked Mike Zimmer about it, he said, yeah, he's got to understand the situation better. So that was the only thing I saw. But otherwise, I thought he played really well. And he's had some bumps in the road throughout yeah. the year. The Green court. Bay game, he makes the interception at the end. But yep. it wasn't perfect there. They went yep. after him quite a bit in that game. He picked up a few penalties. I think you could see some of the progress being made there. Yeah, and what, certainly. It's, what it will come down to is you're just asking yourself – would I prefer playing, you know, the the rookie, or would I prefer playing Trey Wayans? And I think you're you're probably looking at playing Trey Wayans in that case. Um, but going back to Greenway, he I, I would say admirably for where he is in his career. I yeah. mean, it wasn't perfect against Detroit, but you know, we walk away from that game feeling like, man, Minnesota Vikings defense has showed some holes, but. Only showed some holes because the guy missed the field goal and you had to give up a, a, a touchdown in overtime, right? right. I, I mean, and a 27-yard throw and the most freakish kicker that has ever walked to the <laughs> earth. And, like, if you – when I That was back, a heck of a kick. Unbelievable man, oh man. kick. I went back and watched the film on that game, and I was – my thought was the drive in the second quarter that went 10 minutes was yep. absurd. Yep. And how did that even happen? A bunch of third-down conversions. Yep. Even then, the Lions were just slowly plotting and moving the ball. Most of the time, you're going to make a stop there on a third down. But overall, the defense played really well against an offense that had been one of the better ones in the NFL. Um, and, and now you go against Washington with the playmakers. But I, I think that this Washington offense is not on the level of a Detroit offense yeah. or some of the other offenses that they've slowed down this year. Yeah, I would agree. In, in the third quarter Sunday, they had three three and outs. And then the fourth quarter, the first drive, they forced a three and out. The only difference was that after Blair Walsh's block field goal, the Lions were in position to try Prater from 53, and, of course, he made it. So they had four consecutive drives in the second half where they forced a stop in three plays. Just the, the one, they were in position to kick a field goal. So even even into overtime, I think they'd given up like 220 yards or something like that. I mean, really, that, that drive in overtime was the only thing that put the Lions, and I, I think they still only ended up with like 310 yards for the game. I mean, they, they made the play to Andre Roberts where I would guess that Mike Zimmer, I mean, he said he wanted them to have a stronger rush there. I'm guessing he probably also felt like his safeties might have been a little too deep. J. Ron Kirsch I thought was a little too deep on that. The the run in the first quarter with Theo Riddick, they got caught in a stunt um, kind of like they did the previous week, and the Lions had the perfect call for it. I talked with Matt Bowen about that today, just about the, the trap call the Lions had there, and it, it it worked out perfectly for them. They were able to beat the line, and then they got both of their tackles to have one-on-one -on -one blocks to take both Viking safeties out of the play. So that turned into a big play. The throw in overtime, Matthew Stafford puts it in a perfect spot for Golden Tate, and it goes for a touchdown. It was really a few big plays in the game that, that swung it for the Lions, and, and, of course, the Vikings missing a chance to put some points on the board, both with Blair Walsh and the drive that started in the red zone and ended with a punt. But overall... 
they played pretty well. You'd like to see them put a little more pressure on the quarterback. You know, that's been lacking a little bit. But overall, they, they looked much more like what they've been than they had in the past. And I, I would I would expect that to continue Sunday. So let me give you offense and defense, and you give me a number out of 100 confidence or something. Ooh, this could be fun. Yeah, all right. So because um, if we were doing kicker, it would be very low. But let's start let's start with offense. Against the Lions, went back to Pat Shermer. Yep. Moved the ball quite a bit. Totally failed in the red zone several times. Outside of that, had a much, much better day than the last two weeks. Yep. That doesn't mean that the season is quite saved yet. So where do you put out of 100 a confidence level that people should have in the offense? Let's just say this, being good enough to win games. Um, I'm going to sit right on the fence and go like a 50. I mean, I think against teams that aren't going to score a ton of points, sure. And, uh, you know, against this defense, I don't think anybody's going to score a ton of points. But against good defenses, they may have a tough time. I mean, I, I think they'll they'll be able to do enough this weekend to keep them in the game and, and probably win it. I think they do win Sunday. But, um, yeah, I guess I'd say like a 50. What do you got? Well, you can't put them at like – 95 unless they trade for drew Brees, but um or (laughs) trade and and i'm kidding about this but or had traded for joe thomas then you might have put it a little bit higher yeah um i think i would go a little a little higher than that only because i think when we sometimes look at points scored or just total yards Mm -hmm. one thing we don't consider is it, it's not the goal of the Vikings offense to fly down the field and score. Right. I mean, yeah, if you could throw an 80-yard touchdown, you'll take an 80-yard touchdown. But a lot of the times it's chip away, chip away, chip away. They had several drives that ate up a lot of clock. Yeah. They're basically looking to do what the Lions did in that second quarter drive, which is just complete short passes, keep moving the sticks, and, if they, yeah, they might end up with 22 points at the end, but they've moved it efficiently throughout the day, and Bradford's completed 70%. I think that's what they're looking to do, and I think they can succeed in doing that. And seeing Stephon Diggs get the ball 13 times, yeah. seeing Cordero Patterson get back into the screen game, that would give me more confidence than I had under North Turner by yeah. by a long way because I think they're back to using those players correctly. Yeah, I would agree with that. On the defense, what would you put the number at confidence-wise? I think I would go 90. I mean, I, I think this is still the best defense in the NFL. I do not think it's the Denver Broncos from last year. I don't think it's the 0-1 Ravens. I right. don't I mean this is this is be, it was being talked about after 5 weeks as hey this could be that type of historic defense which was a little silly. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh it's not that. I think yeah. we've learned it's not that. It is beatable. Jay Cutler had a good game against this defense. They're still number 1 in points. Yep. And they are still I think the most dangerous in the NFL when it comes to playmakers across positions but the one thing they had through those five weeks is almost no injuries yeah now that we've seen them get dinged up a little bit you see J. Ron curse make a mistake in a game you see captain munderland go out and mckenzie alexander struggle a bit that's what happens through the course of a season so i think with knowing that they would get dinged up and things like that i still say they're going to be a really tough matchup week in and week out and probably the league's best or top five at worst but they are not an historic defense. Yeah, I would agree, and I I put my confidence level in a similar place, probably an eighty or ninety. I think if they get Eric Kendricks back this weekend. I think that helps a lot. 
they can hopefully get back to a point where they're being able to put a little more pressure on the quarterback and blitz a little bit more often because Kirk Cousins hasn't been sacked much this year. They, now they will be missing Trent Williams, their, their very solid left tackle, on Sunday because of his suspension, but they're, they're still going to be a, a tough team to put pressure on. So if the Vikings are able to get a little bit more pressure with Kendricks and if Anthony Barr can get back to playing like he's been able to play, Mike Zimmer said today that he doesn't feel like Barr is playing badly. He's just not making a lot of the splash plays that – We've seen him make in the past. So if he can get back to it a little bit and they're able to put a little more pressure on, I think you could see them have one of those days that you come away being pretty impressed with. So um, before we wrap up here, we will do what we typically do during our midweek podcast and and offer some predictions for what we think will happen with the Vikings on Sunday. Matthew, what do you got for a score Sunday and who wins? Okay, let's see. What I was going to have you do if I could pull it up was – Tell me all the starting quarterbacks for Washington oh over the gosh. last uh, ten years, but I, you know, I let me see if I could do this. How many are there? Um, I'm trying to pull it up on Football Reference as we talk because I just thought of this. Okay, well, for, I'll make my no prediction. So you make your prediction, and I'll I will tap dance, and uh, hopefully you can get it because I spent like four years living out there, so I bet I could probably do pretty well with it because they had a lot of quarterback fluctuation during that time as they always do so i bet i could probably get pretty close to it and even by talking about the fluctuation now i am buying you time to find the list but my prediction for sunday i think the vikings get back on track i i still think this is the best team in the nfc north yes they've been knocked down a peg or two and and yes they have some issues to work through i think this is a tough game but i think they ultimately win it I, I just I don't know how good the Redskins are. I think their defense is beatable. I think the Vikings are able to put enough pressure on Kirk Cousins to maybe create a couple of plays to to turn the game around. And I, I think they're able to do enough to throw the ball effectively and uh, and create a a solid offense to to win the game. So I've got them winning twenty four twenty, probably what I suppose would be the highest scoring game the Vikings have played in this year. But uh, I think they win it Sunday. I think they come back home at six and three before they prepare for the Arizona Cardinals I think I'm looking at a a hideous game here like one that could be quite ugly more of like a 14 to 10 oh wow one that uh, Ryan Kerrigan gets some pressure and yeah they move the ball a little bit but have some troubles and it's kind of a a defensive battle now does the 14 to 10 involve any missed kicks from Blair Walsh I'm gonna say I'm gonna say spot. no. I'm gonna say okay. he takes care of his kicks and the Vikings pull out a ugly game on the road. All makes, right, makes his two extra points and flips the double birds to the media as he walks off. What? Uh, well, that would make things interesting. Sure would. It's already been a very yeah. bizarre year. Now that would be uh, not, even not more as bizarre. bizarre as you might think. Though <laughs> we will that's, analyze that's at another, the end of the year. Yeah, that's another podcast. Um, what's what season? What year would you like to start with Washington? Uh how far back you got? I mean, I got all the way like the whole history. But I don't want to go that far. How about we go? Well, like that would take 10 years. another forty minutes. How about um, well? How about from two thousand on? How many of these guys? Can okay. How many are there total? Um, I haven't added them up, but it's like fifteen. Okay. Uh, I think these it's won't, more than ten. These won't be in any specific order, but I'm just going to throw some names out. So, Kirk Cousins. Yeah. RG three. Uh huh. Um, Brad Johnson. Correct. Um, Mark Brunel. That's right. Donovan McNabb. Correct. Um, gosh, there were a couple of the Colt McCoy. 
Um, he yes, started a couple games. Yes, that was yes, with the big. Uh, yep. I had to scroll back up, but of course, yes, he did. The the thing that with the no means no on Monday Night Football, where the the PR guy Tony yes. Wiley was yelling at people about trying to get him. Uh gosh, who the heck am I missing from? Um, let me know when you want hints. Uh not yet, because I could. Uh, was Jeff George still there? Uh no, you're a little early, early on early. that. Um, well, no, actually, yes, 2001. Uh Patrick Ramsey. Patrick Ramsey is right. Um. Gosh, there was another guy when when I was out there covering baseball. It wasn't very good. Well, I've got some good hints. Uh, man, oh man, uh, this is boring radio for people. Yeah, let uh, me get into hint. Trent land Green here. is he in there? Um, Trent Green is not. I he's think probably earlier. That would have been that would have been ninety eight. All okay. right, so here's I'll start with some hints here. Gosh. This guy when the Ravens won the Super Bowl, Kyle uh, Bowler. This guy, not Kyle Bowler, but this guy was their original starting quarterback for that season. When Trent Dilfer won the Super Bowl, oh this guy was actually their starter oh to open the year. Man, that's and, a and, uh, really good Trent clue. Dilfer took his job. Who in the heck? Um, <laughs> gosh, that's going to bug me. Um, ah, what is it? It's Tony Banks. Tony Banks. Ah, yes, um, Tony Banks. This guy was the original Tebow at Florida. The original Tebow at Florida. Before Tebow was Tebow, this guy was a hyped college quarterback who was really bad in the NFL. Chris Leak? No. Uh, that would be Danny Shane, Warfel. Danny Warfel, yes. Um, this guy's a TV star, and so was his wife. Uh, Jesse Palmer? Um, Tim Hasselbeck. Oh, was just, yeah, that was going to be my next guess. This guy played for the Raiders. Tim Hasselbeck started for them? Damn, yeah, oh, the man. Raiders, the Browns. Um, really middle-of-the-road, bounced-around guy. I, Jeff Hosteller? Uh, w- went to no, w- that would have been earlier. Yeah. Went to Auburn. Um, oh, that was Jason Campbell. That's correct. Yeah, that was yes. the guy when I was out there. I that I was like, I can picture him. He's number seventeen. But yeah, Jason Campbell. One more, uh, no, two more, but one I don't think you'd ever guess. This guy, career backup, drafted by the Bills in the late nineties, was actually the quarterback that took over for Jim Kelly. Oh, then was for, I can, played so, for I can Kansas picture City. him. Played for Kansas City for a long time as their backup. Ah, uh, his last name's Johnson. No, that's you're thinking of Rob Johnson. No, that's, that's who not, I'm. That's totally who I'm thinking of. That is not him. Career backup, Todd Collins. Todd. Oh, you know what? Todd Collins. I saw him start a game. Right before I started covering uh, the Nationals, I, I was cover. I was stringing for the paper. I ended up working for. He played a game here against the Vikings in 2007. The Vikings needed to win it to get in the playoffs. Collins carved them up, and uh, the Vikings ended up losing the game because Joe Gibbs, who was the coach at the time, was the year Sean Taylor died, I think. Joe Gibbs challenged a play that looked like he was going to lose the challenge, but he saw that there were 12 men on the field. So the play got overturned, and he got the better of Brad Childress and foreshadowed eventually a more consequential 12 men on the field. The Redskins ended up winning the game. The Vikings missed the playoffs that season. I think the Redskins, I think, got in. So I remember Todd Collins now, and I have a really obscure Vikings-related story to go with it. So last one. There's one more, right? Um, uh, two more. Okay. And I just don't see. I just don't see how you'll get them, but I'll give you if, hints if anyway. If they were there when I was there, I may it may come out of the catacombs the, of my well, mind. The year was 2002. Okay. This guy played for, for the Bears as a bit of a starter. Kid McNown. It is not Cade McNown, but you're thinking the right Bears terrible. Er, No, No. it's not any kind of McCown. Um, (laughs) Right Bears terrible. Or McNown. I just don't know how you'll get this one. See, I'm pretty well versed in terrible Bears quarterbacks, too. This would be like 
That's a great guess, and it's right around that time where he was with uh, the Bears. Mike Tomczak's too old. Uh, gosh, who the heck was it? You're 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 sniffing around the right area. Uh, but I don't. It's Shane Matthews. Oh yes, another that's, university. That was that's a, probably a Steve Spurrier call. Another University of Florida guy. Last one. This guy briefly started for the Dolphins when they played like Ray Lucas and a couple of other quarterbacks. They had like a bunch of quarterbacks. Cleo yeah. Lemon. Yeah, uh, Jay Fiedler was, was there. Brian yep, Greasy yep, was yep, there. Yeah, and this guy was also there. Ah, oh, boy. This is um, 2011. He's with Washington. See, now this I should know because um, I was <laughs> I still in. I was still in DC at this point. This. Uh, I wasn't paying as much attention to the Redskins by then, but so he was in. He was in Miami and then came to Washington. Correct. Uh, I don't know how to. I don't where did he go to college? Facts about him. He went to BYU. Was a second round pick in two thousand seven. Oh, crap. Um, gosh, I could totally see him. He most recently played with the BC Lions. Ah, BYU two thousand seven. He has a career. Kevin Cobb. No, it's not no, Kevin. Anybody? No. Uh, has a career quarterback rating of sixty seven point six. All right, just tell me. I could totally see him. It this is, is bug John me. Dalton Beck. John Beck. Yeah, the Dalton yes. just discovered from his Wikipedia yes. page. Yes, okay. It yeah, was John Beck. I, I knew that it was a short name, that Cobb Beck. I knew it was four letters. But uh, If you were playing at home and you got those, you need hobbies. <laughs> you, or professional help, one of the, <laughs> one of the two. Uh, on that note, that little uh, dalliance down Redskins history, you know, we should start doing that. Like I'm down. When, when they play the Lions and the Bears, I mean, even next week with the Cardinals, like oh, it could be definitely obscure done quarterbacks. Oh, that, yes. that, that, that's we're gonna make that a thing. Midweek podcast. The next few times they play, even the Cowboys, you could totally do this. They've got a number of games coming up against teams with bad quarterback histories. Here, we will do that. We'll make it like a, I don't know what the family feud or something, where <laughs> yeah, we need, you have we'll, to have we'll your list. Yeah, we'll we'll end our podcast with can you name. The obscure quarterbacks of the Vikings opponent from the last 10, 15 years, whatever we decide is an interesting interval depending on the team. But we will have another edition of the podcast on Sunday afternoon. I will be out at lovely FedEx Field, and I say that facetiously, the place is a dump. Uh, (laughs) I hope they move back to the district at some point whenever Dan Snyder can work out his team nickname kerfuffle with the district and get a new stadium because FedEx Field, if you're going on Sunday, you probably should have picked a better trip. Love the city. Great place to visit. The stadium is not good. At any rate, I will be calling in from there. Matthew and Judd will be back in the studio with another edition of the podcast. We will break down Vikings-Redskins and look forward to Vikings-Cardinals a week from Sunday. For Matthew Culler, I'm Ben Gessling. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you Sunday. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.